Trump. So this is our final installment of our series on the Emmaus Road story that we started the year with to begin our year of the Eucharist. We're going to be looking at communion this year, and this seemed to be a perfect way to start a year-long look at communion and what it means, because communion is central to this story, just as communion is central to life. If what we believe is true, that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, then our entire universe is built on communion. And so I think it's a good thing that we can do this year looking at it. So when we started the Emmaus Road story, the first thing we saw was two disciples walking home devastated by the loss of Christ. We understood with deep familiarity that morning and pain and suffering of living in a world of so much loss. We then marveled as Christ held the scriptures in his hands and used them the way they were meant to be used, as life-changing words revealing the story of God and his endless love for us. We were inspired as Jesus took their loss. He took their fear. He took their disillusionment. He took all their unanswered questions. And what he did was he placed them into the context of God's great plan of salvation. We were thankful to learn that we too have been invited to trust in a larger vision, to move beyond our own individual pains of our individual moments and see that even our deepest hurts are truly part of a much larger healing process that's going on around us. This redemption that God is constantly working. We were challenged to trust, to trust Christ the way the disciples trusted him, to invite him in. We're invited to take off our masks, let him love us just the way we are. And we were finally swept away with the knowledge that our deepest yearnings to love and be loved are God's deepest yearnings too. And finally, in our last study, we saw the disciples had entered into true communion with God. True communion with God. Not just God for them and God with them, but now God in them through the taking of his bread and his wine, his body and blood. So the question is, what now? If this is all true, if what we have studied in this story is true, what next? Or as Schaefer used to say it all the time, how shall we then live? How shall we then live? Well, I think the story speaks very pointedly to this question. Here it is. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. That very hour, that instant, they left for Jerusalem. What a difference in picture, right? When we first meet them, they're walking, heads down, totally, totally distraught and mournful and sorrowful. And here they are. They're almost skipping, running back to find their friends. Noun says this is the difference between despair and hope, fear and love. The beginning of the story was despair and fear, and now at the end of the story, they're filled with hope and love. They have experienced life-altering communion with the living God, and what are they doing? They're running to tell their friends. Beautiful. So at the end of the traditional Catholic Mass, the priest used to say, I don't know, oh, Sam, I might need you today. My battery may have just gone. Thank you. So at the end of the traditional Catholic Mass, the priest used to say, Ita missa est, which literally means, go, this is your mission. Go, this is your mission. And this is because communion is just the beginning. Communion is never the end of the story. Remember Mary Magdala? Sam, if you don't mind, sorry. Mary Magdala was told, go and tell. The demon-possessed man from Gedarains, after he was healed, same thing, Sam was told, go and tell. 
And at the end of one of our Eucharistic prayers, in fact, the one I use today, it says, allow these gifts of bread and wine to be for us healing, forgiveness, and wholeness, that we may become for you your body, loving and caring in the world until your kingdom fully comes. Communion is not an ending. It's just the beginning of our lives. It's just the beginning. So, this is what Noun says. Go and tell. What you have heard and seen is not just for yourself. It is for the brothers and sisters and for all who would receive it. Go. Don't linger. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. But move now and return to the places from which you came. And let those whom you left behind in their hiding places know that there is nothing to be afraid of. That he is risen. Risen indeed. Remember, these disciples were running back to Jerusalem. Back to where their friends were still in hiding. Remember, the disciples were still hiding at this point because they were afraid that those who hated and killed Christ were going to kill them too. And they were running to say, there's nothing to be afraid of. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. So that is the answer to our question, what's next? Go and tell. Sam, if you get me a couple slides up, that would be great. They got up and returned it once and one more. So there's the answer to our question, how should we then live, is to go and tell. But before we make decisions on what that might look like, because we all have loaded definitions of what mission is, right? Because we've all grown up in churches and we carry a lot of baggage with this. Let's examine this story in more detail. The first thing we realize when we read this story is the mission to go and tell always begins with those we are closest to. Always. It doesn't start out there. It doesn't start on the other side of the world. It starts always with those we are closest to. And I think there are two very important reasons for this. First, with all of our losses and our sufferings and our disappointments and our unanswered questions and our living with often horrific mysteries of life, it is easy to forget the story. Right here, it's easy to forget it. It's easy to forget love wins. It's easy to forget resurrection comes. We see this all the time, don't we? We see it in real dramatic ways, where one day someone seems to have it all together. A beautiful home, beautiful spouse, beautiful kids. They have what we would consider solid Christian faith. Good Christian people. Never miss a Sunday sermon and then the next day they've walked away from everyone and everything they've ever claimed to love. We see this. And they even turn their back on God. They forget the story. Their masks go back on. And they, the struggle of living in a world of pain and loss is ever overwhelming. They need to hear the story again. And then there's those of us who maybe we don't go to that extreme, but we forget the story. Or maybe the story just isn't as real. And so there's something very important about this. Sam, if you give me that next slide, please, thanks. Thank you so much. This is so important when we're reading the story of the Emmaus Road. Never think anyone has heard the story too much. Never think that. I had a beautiful example of this in my own life this week. Our dog died and She's just a dog, but boy, was she my constant love for 10 years. And the vet is a Christian. He knows me. He knows what I do. And what was so beautiful about Mike as she was dying was he knows I'm a pastor, but he knew I needed the story. 
He didn't say, oh, he's a, he's a pastor. He knows this. He said, David, you know resurrection, right? You know God's redeeming everything. You know life wins. And it was so beautiful, and I needed that so bad. Whoever thinks of mission going to your pastor, that's what missions is. We go to each other first and remind each other life wins. That's what we do. That's all I do with my friend Rich. He's written Christian books. He's much more Christian than I am. His knowledge of Christianity blows me away, but I tell him repeatedly, life wins. You got this. Life wins. Tell each other. So that's the first thing. Never think anyone knows this story or has heard it too much. We all need it. Mission starts with each other. And the second reason to go first to our own community is also very important. Notice in the story. Go ahead, Brian, thanks. They found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. I love this. This is almost a comedic scene, right? So they're running back to tell their friends and they burst through the door and their friend's like, yeah, we already got it. We already know. Thanks for coming. I love that. But there's something here that despite the, the perhaps humor of the scene, it's a profound and critical insight into Christian missions. In fact, I think this may be one of the greatest Christian failings in not understanding this. And I am guilty of not understanding this until later in my life. See, those gathered in Jerusalem knew the truth, even though they had not met him on the road or had sat at table with them as these disciples did. Noun says there are many ways in which Jesus appears and many ways in which he lets us know he is alive. So what we celebrate in the Eucharist, which is God's incredible love for us, his desire for oneness with us, this happens in many ways, not just in the ways it happens with us. Not just in the ways it happens with us. Long before Jesus met these disciples on the road or shared bread with them, he had touched the hearts of many others. He had called someone by her name in the garden. He had shown someone else his wounds. We have our stories, we have our theologies, that is true. We have our experiences, we have our understandings of God and his love for us, and we need to share those, that's true. But here's the thing, our stories are not the only ones. We need to listen to other stories. And that is why communion, Brian, must lead to community. Communion must lead to community. I'm going to let, I want to paraphrase Henry Noun here, if you give me one more, Brian, thanks. We need to come together with others who believe, hear their stories, and learn the many ways in which Jesus and his spirit work among people. It is so easy to narrow Jesus down to our Jesus, to our experience of his love, to our way of knowing him. But the community of faith is the place where many stories about the way of Jesus are being told. These stories can be quite different from each other. They may even contradict each other. But if we keep listening, we hear the fuller story of God, and then we will gradually discern that we belong together as one body, not one little church body, but one worldwide church knitted together by the Spirit of Christ. That is so important. 
You know those days that we have conversations here instead of me just talking? I always hear from people after those days of how valuable it was for them. Valuable to sit here and listen to someone over there and say, oh, I think that too, or oh, I've never thought of it that way, or that's beautiful. We don't do that enough. Rich is starting out on a new journey, and he's not sure yet where it's taking him, if it's a book or if it's a tour or what, but in trying to get Christians just to listen to each other, be in community with each other because we're all God's children that God loves. I think that's beautiful, and uh, we, we should be praying about that. I think that's magnificent. You know, there, there's this great story. It, it's, it's not a true story. But I remember reading in a book about how these missionaries were in this fishing village and somewhere in the middle of Southeast Asian Pacific Ocean, and, and they met these three fishermen and wanted to teach them how to pray. And so they were trying to teach him these prayers, prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. And then they went away. And about two or three years later, they came back to this island. And as they're coming into the port in their boat, there's these three fishermen walking along the water. And they're like, what are you doing? Oh, we're just out here praying. You are? What are you saying? Oh, God loves me. I love God. We're one with God. You see? And they're walking on the water. They're living like Jesus while these... Anyway, all right, maybe it was last night. We don't have a corner on the truth. We have what God has revealed to us, and that's beautiful. Let's hear from others. We need that. We need that. In the Buddhist tradition, they have a beautiful thing when they talk about truth, in which they use the illustration of five blind monks touching an elephant. And then they have to describe the elephant. Well, every blind monk... The guy that's holding on to the elephant's tail is describing something very different than the one that's holding the tusk and the one that's holding the belly and the one that's holding the snout, right? In many ways, we're blind monks in this. And I know that can seem offensive in our language in which, no, we, God's given us the Bible, we know the truth. Except that's why there's a thousand different branches of Christianity because we all read the Bible differently. And it's good to hear each other. It's good to tell each other stories. Missions is listening. Missions is listening. So, go and tell Brian, thanks. Begins with our going to our own. To remind each other a story and to learn more of the story. We learn more from each other. And then within that growing and authentic community, the go and tell looks beyond. For just as communion must lead to community, so... Community must lead to mission. Community must lead to mission. A community of faith in a God who died because he loved the world is not supposed to become an ivory tower where we sit in our own place. Instead, a community of faith in a God who died because he loves us is the very place that should inspire us to tell everyone the story. To go out into this world of madness and hurt and pain and chaos and suffering and tell people love wins, hate loses, God is not dead. And then invite them to our table, just as they are. But what does that mean? What does it mean to share the good news? What does it mean? Well, I think it means doing what Jesus did. That's why St. Francis said, Preach the gospel always, but only when absolutely necessary, use words. And I think that's part of the problem right now in the world. There's a lot of Christian voices saying things, very few Christians doing what Jesus did. 
the best missions is doing what Jesus did. So here in our story, two people were walking down the road, obviously distraught, sorrowful, the weight of the harsh world on their shoulders, and Jesus came and joined them, Brian. See? And he asked them their story. He said, tell me your story. And he listened to them. Everyone wants to be listened to. Everyone. That's, that's all I needed this week. I didn't need anything but someone that wanted to hear me tell the story of my dog dying. That's all I wanted. And whoever would give me five minutes, I told them the story. That's all I needed. And people listened, and I felt better for telling the story. We don't listen to each other. We talk at each other. Sometimes we use bullhorns. We need to listen. Jesus said, hey, what's your story? Everyone wants to be listened to. Remember, this life is not easy. We know that in this community. We know that so much. No one is exempt from the horrors of this world. Fear, suffering, loss, what we saw in the first lesson of this series, is a universal experience. We're all in this. Don't ever think what you're suffering, no one else knows about. That's not true. And don't ever think that people don't know suffering. They do. If we went around just this room, we know the pain that is in people's lives. Noun writes, it is a world of endless losses, and many, if not most, of our fellow human beings walk with faces downcast along the roads of this planet. Understand that. Try to understand that so much so that when you see other people, you know, the jerks that cut you off on the highway, the waitress that should not be in customer service, just try to remember. We don't know what their life is like. We don't know if they're racing to the hospital because they just got a call, their loved one's dying. We don't know if the waitress's boyfriend just beat her the night before. We don't know if someone just got fired from their job. We don't know. Try to understand each other. Because if not most of our fellow human beings walk with faces downcast along the roads of this planet. Because of communion with Jesus and community with each other, we can go out. Join the lonely, hurting travelers. Walk with them like he did. Hurt with them and ask them what they are talking about as they pass along. Here's the thing. If we listen, if we're willing to, and I think sometimes we don't listen because we don't want to hear it, right? But we will hear stories of vast loneliness, Profound fear, betrayal, abuse, abandonment, endless sorrow. The few times I have the privilege of being with Rich on his treatment days, one of the things Kim and I always talk about is, look at all the people that come here alone. That take a train to get chemo. or What? I, I mean, so we're going to hear stories, and they're not going to be good ones. But here's the thing. If we listen long enough, then we're going to have a chance finally to say, hey, love wins. 
Darkness overcomes light. Life will overcome death. Then maybe, just maybe like Jesus did, we'll earn their trust. They'll invite us in to join them at their table. And then even though it's their table, we'll become the host. We'll break the bread. We'll serve the wine. And then sometimes, in the midst of that giving, we will witness a miracle. Hope overcoming despair, thanksgiving overcoming resentment, a smile overcoming the tears, and love overcoming hate. We might just see Christ and that person entering into communion. That's mission. Mission is not a contest. You know, one time... I heard a preacher preach on missions. Top 10 reasons for evangelism, it was called. Not one of those reasons was love. Not one. He had the PowerPoint. That's not the Christianity I believe in. Missions is an invitation to live a life of love. That's what missions is. One of the reasons I'm always trying to redefine Christian words, if you read my post this week, I was trying to redefine Sabbath rest, reimagine it. But we talk about words here a lot, and we try to reimagine them. Well, evangelism is one of them. For these words take on baggage. Imagine evangelism not being because of love. I, 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 I can't, but I can because I was there. I was there 30 years ago in churches that just wanted to fill up seats and Missions was about. Listen, if we experience God's love for him, love for us, and we truly love him back, I believe that will fill us with an undeniable love for others. We will want to go and tell. Sure, not everyone's going to listen. And very few will invite us in, but don't fret. Not everyone listened to Jesus either. They actually killed him for what he was saying. But listen. Too often the pain in this world is simply too much for people to even entertain the idea that there is a better reality. But we live in the same world. We live here. We know what pain is. We know what suffering is. And we believe Jesus is alive and dwells within us. We believe that he has overcome death and that love wins. So we can come around the table and do what he did. We can break bread with each other. We can keep telling each other our stories of communion. And then together, we can go out to our fellow human travelers, not selling anything, not pretending to solve all their problems, but to bring a smile to a dying man, comfort to a widow, a little hope to a lonely child, help to a single mom, a hug to a pastor whose dog died, a meal to a hungry body, a hug to a crying soul. And as Noun says, when the encounter is real, maybe we will see some of the darkness being dispelled and life once again breaking through the boundaries of death. Amen. Let's go and tell.